0: I mean, my heart's beating, my heart's beating, my hands are shaking, my hands are shaking, but I'm still shooting, I'm still getting the headshot, just like, boom, headshot, boom, headshot, boom, headshot. Just gonna send it. Look at this, guys. Two podcasts within about eight days of each other. How about that? Look at me coming in strong for the new year, getting you guys something to chew on. Welcome back to another episode of the Just and Send It podcast. Um, so we'll talk about uh, this past weekend. Uh, this weekend, if you listened to the last podcast, I was uh, planning on shooting the my, my first time shooting the uh, Coastal Outlaw match from Alliance Outdoors. They are in uh, Maysville, North Carolina, and it is a, what I've, I had the idea of what to expect, and um, it it was exactly what I was told, what to expect, and it is, uh, what I could say is, as far as the, the range and the venue, it is very raw, and in its, infancy if you will so lee sorry i i don't think i ever caught lee's last name he's the owner and he actually ended up shooting the match with us so he's like the owner slash md slash you know fellow shooter um he a uh, real nice guy and he came and introduced himself and um it, it was a really nice guy and so it, he's he's talking about all the plans that he's planning on doing and things that he knows he needs to do and um, you know, right now it's basically a a cutdown. And he's got some connex boxes that are stacked up uh for one end of the range, and I believe like eight sixty seven was the furthest distance we had this weekend. But uh, you know, eight sixty seven and in, you can still put on a hell of a match. And lee is not a he's nor is he claiming to be not a like a seasoned competitor as far as this prs game um he's put on a few matches and it's really been something that's kind of growing and you know something that he's putting together for some some uh members of the range to shoot or you know some of the uh uh, Cherry Point and uh, Camp Lejeune guys to come down and shoot uh, the Marine Corps bases there, and I mean it was literally easily eighty percent were active duty Marines. Um, and uh, I did meet a guy that was in my squad; he's actually active duty Coast Guard, taught to him for a bit. And uh, anyway, we um, it, it was it was a great time, and you know there were some hiccups, and the thing is that Lee asked the right questions. So he would ask me and he'd ask some of the, the other guys that were on the squad that he knew were, you know, have been doing this, you know, PRS style, you know, competitive shooting for a while about, you know, what would you do here or what, hap- what would you do if this were to happen during a match and how it, and it was great. And I'm like, because he's taking it all in. You can tell he's taking it all in and that he's, he's willing to apply it um, this was actually his first, like, 10-stage, 100-round match. Most of the time, it's like six, seven stages, 65 rounds, you know, something along that, uh, along those lines. And, um, you know, this was his first bigger match. And believe, believe it or not, he, he filled it up pretty good. He, I don't think he expected as many people to, to sign up for this match um, that, that that did. And um, we, we had a great time. Um, you know, I shot pretty well. I had, I had a couple, you know, bomb stages that, that, you know, really kind of threw me out of the, out of the, out of the winning loop. But, uh, you know, I, I had fun, I had fun, uh, you going over some of the course of fire. I mean, a lot of it's some of your, your typical stuff that you would shoot at a match or see at a match. And there wasn't anything like hokey. There wasn't anything that was, Oh, this is impossible. There wasn't anything that seemed unfair. the the only the, the things that were that I, I brought up to Lee was like in one of the like the very first stage for us. No, it wasn't. It was not the first stage. It was the I don't know, second or third stage of the day. Um, there, uh, there was a target that um, well, two targets that depending on what your wind call is going to be is going to determine whether you can actually hit the plate or not simply because of a tree. That's probably, I don't know. It was probably like what 80 yards in front of the target, but you could just see the target. But if I've got like, you could see probably three quarters of the target. But if the, um, like, the, like I got smoked the middle of the tree, and I knew I was going to. I told him before I <laughs> before I even shot the stage, like, yeah, that tree's getting it because that's about right where I'm going to hold. And uh, yeah, sure enough, you know, hit hit that. But I mean, that's something like knock one tree down, problems over with, and or just move the target over one way or the other. Um, I I like that it's the idea that the target would be there and the tree would kind of be in your everyone's kind of seen or have shot those like those blind targets where like you aim at this but you're not hitting that your bullet is going you can't see the target right like we've seen those happen before um and and that's cool i think that's kind of that's kind of cool but if it it impedes the bullet's path that's when there's an issue and i don't you know he didn't know when he put it up, that that was going to be a problem. Um, but, and had the wind been the opposite direction, it would not have been a problem. Um, but you know, it's, it is what it is. Um, but you know, something like that, uh, one of the, one of the stages, um, it was a basically like a ladder rung, cattle gate around and they roll. Um, but it wasn't hard to get stable on them. But the you had three positions. It was three, one target, three shots from each position. Nine round stage. When I shot it, I started on the lower rung, um, and you know, looking through my glass on my in my binos, I, I could see the see the target, no problem. Everything looked Gucci, and then when I and most everybody else started from the top rung and work their way down well it's a two minute part-time match which i thought was a was refreshing um i believe i told him my thoughts on that was if this is precision rifle to me there's less precision in okay this is my win call and i'm gonna no matter what that's what it's going to start out at and i'll just correct from there we do that all the time and we make it work but to me it just kind of takes away, with with time and distance, I mean, with distance you have time, so, I, whatever, I mean, I've never been a slower shooter guy timing out, so I actually had one of the faster collective times in the match, but uh, anyway, when I got to the bottom rung, starting out there, I was like, fuck, I can't see the target, there was a, there were two cattails that when the wind would blow from left to right, it would blow, it'd obscure the target, and I literally could not see the target. So I shot where where I thought the target would be, thought, you know, I had a good wind call. And I heard impact. Boom. I just ran it, ran it, moved up, still couldn't see it in the kneeling position. So ran the same thing. I heard like one impact. So I thought I'd maybe drop one or two shots and I get to the top rung and I believe I either got two or three of the hits at the top. And he told, no, I, mm, I might be able to tell you which one it was, but I can find it real quick. I mean, it was either trailer, rubber. I don't even remember what the what it was called. It wasn't one of those, but it was like right, rare. Nope, not it. Standby. Tank trap, ladder, yeah, okay, two. So I got two impact. So when I when he said, all right, cool, got you for a two, I said, a two? I was like, shit, I thought I'd drop like one or two, and then kind of find out I was hearing impacts at the exact moment that the target would have been hit and the you know, RO would have said impact. I was hearing the RO in the stage next to us. <laughs> so I, I felt like a big fucking dummy but I was like, fuck, I couldn't see the target, but when, oh, when I got to the third rung, I could see it clear as day, because I was above the cattails, that's just literally going out there, and just snipping it, and things like that, one of the stages had uh, the yardage wrong, and, you know, it is what it is, that happens, that's why it's good to take a range, laser rangefinder with you, and, you know, we did, we did range it, but, I, you know, I, I trusted what was on the, because it was a small target and you could easily hit something past it. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to run what the, the course of fire says. And I was about three or four tenths low on a very small target. And then I picked it up and and then, you know, I think I dropped like a total of three or three on that stage or something like that. Um, and there was one that this is me. Uh, I need to work on my, uh, weak side shooting, not the actual, the shooting as far as the trigger pull or, um, you know, running the rifle as much as it is getting my weak eye behind the scope. It was a struggle bus for me to get a sight picture. There was actually two stages back to back that were, um, strong side, strong side, weak side, weak side, you move different target, strong side, strong side, Weak side, weak side, and the first one, which was a complete bitch. I mean, I mean, it was it was tough. Um, I the the targets were very small. There were one was a rabbit and one was a ram, I believe, and all the paint had been beat off of them. And heyo. Um, but there's like it's a cut down. So there's you know trees that are kind of limbs that are sticking up. It was just really hard to see. even on binos, I was I, first first of all, CL, he's got a, you know, a Hensolt spotter. He found it and saw it and then came and put my – I was having a hard time finding the rabbit. Um, and he put my binos on. It. I'm like, okay, I kind of see it, but shit, it's hard to see. Not to mention it was really late in the day, some setting. Um, and the, you know, someone was in your face. And so it was really hard. I could really see it when someone shot it and I saw the, the plume of smoke behind the plate, you could then see the entire silhouette of the rabbit. And then you couple that with going with your weak side eye, which I, I don't do enough that that's a training error on my part, but just getting my eye behind the scope and being able to see it. so when I close now, obviously you're supposed to shoot with both eyes open When you're shooting with your dominant eye, it is very tough to shoot with your dominant eye open, but shooting with your weak eye. And so what's the thing you naturally do is close the off eye, which in this case would be my dominant eye. And, you know, okay, it helps a little bit on my weak side. But then when I transitioned back to my strong side, my eyes blurry as shit from having it squinted and, and, and shut so hard. Now it's hard for me to see anything in my dominant eye because it's just been like, it's been shut so hard and whatever. It's all blurry and shit. You got to kind of wipe your eyes, or whatever. Um, the first one I ate a bucket of dicks on. I think I, think I, I think I got like one or two impacts on it. And then the very next stage, which was a rooftop, it was uh same thing, but you're on, you're on the rooftop you got one target it was a buffalo small these are small targets, but you know it's the silhouette of a buffalo, and then the second one with the further uh, target was a bobcat. That one was much easier because at that point the sun had set behind the trees, and now it's shaded, which is great. I rather really have that than the sun in my face and in my scope I didn't have much uh sunshade or anything like that with me which was also my fault. I've never really had to use one other than in rain really. Um I've never really had to shoot that late in the day to where it's affecting my uh my sight picture that much. But uh the yeah that that stage I think I dropped like one shot and it was just a, a yanked trigger pull with my weak side but um then you hit the rest of the way out. Uh it was a great match overall. Um, I'm excited about shooting him again. I think uh, I got fourth in open, and uh, old bird dog went home with third in open, and Jeff got uh, what was it second? I believe he got second in two twenty three bolt. As you remember from last podcast, the way they do the divisions there, there's open, uh, there's gas, there's three hundred eight gas, three hundred eight bolt. There's two twenty-three gas and two twenty-three bolt. So there's a lot more divisions caliber based, if you will. It's not like a seniors or a ladies or a production. It's caliber based. I'm not against that. Like I makes it interesting. It makes it more specialized for, you know, for the for the caliber. So women compete against men. And I don't know if there was any lady shooters out there. I don't remember seeing any. I'm not saying there wasn't. I just don't remember seeing any. Um, but, you know, it was it was a great match overall. It was colder than a well digger's ass when we got there. It was like 27 when we got there. But we had a little bit late start. We started at 9, and he has a gangster fire pit there. And it was super key, uh, standing there getting warm. And by the time we got started, shit, I'd already peeled out of all my layers because the sun started heating up. I think it ended up being like 71. Yes, uh, Saturday. So it was, it was ended up being super nice. Um, But overall, it was a great time. Um, You know, congratulations to Jonathan Gurley. He actually won uh, open with a 308. So he entered in open, but shot a 308 and then smoked us all. He shot really good. And um, I, I think it's what that everything wrapped up into one word uh, descriptor would be potential. I think it has potential to be a really cool, uh, facility. He's, uh, trying to purchase more land or he actually does own more land that he can connect to it. Um, he's just going to grow it, you know, and it's not going to be, I'm going to drop $2 million on this property and make it a golf course for shooters. Like, right? you know, I don't think KM was built in a day just like Rome wasn't built in a day. I don't think K M was. I know as good as a range that frontline defense is, um, and, you know that's my home range. It wasn't like, it's nothing like it was when it started. And I wasn't even there when it first started, but I came on a couple of years after it had been started and it is leaps and bounds better than what it was when it started. It's just one of those things. It's the process, you know, this, you know, this is like kind of like a, a side thing for Lee. And he's put, a, he's put a lot of money into this so far and to get it, I think where he wants it, it's it, all it's going to take is, you know, time, effort, and money. And um, I think you know, he's going to continue to, to hold these matches. And I, I, th- I think it's going to be a, a great little series. Uh, you want to call it a series There's it's not going to be a finale or anything, I don't believe. But, you know, just a, it's a the last Saturday of a month. And I think that is really cool. And I think a lot of ranges could. You could kind of go back to that. They may have started that that way, but you see a lot of ranges in the U.S. today. They kind of, I don't want to say grow out of that, but they just take a different course. Where I, I believe what I think they'd be more successful as far as getting, you know, asses in a match and on a regular basis is to do a maybe a, a, a less. Prepped match, you know, where you don't, a match director doesn't have to break his neck and work, you know, 12 hours a day for seven days leading up to the match because putting on a big, nice, you know, perfectly ran, you know, manicured type match, that's a lot of time and effort. And I think if a match director slash range owner would kind of, okay, well, I can have those, but I could also have paper print out, of course, the fire, like what what Lee had, where it's obviously not these nice books or whatever. And you don't have to get t-shirts for everybody or don't have to supply food. There was a, they have a little, um, concession stand there with really good cheeseburgers and hot dogs and you know, all that stuff and drinks and waters and Gatorades, you know, you have just invite a food truck out there, right? Let, let some uh, guys with food trucks know, Hey, look, come to the range every, you know, third Saturday of the month, and you, you, you'll have plenty of people there to buy food and, and, you know, make it worth your while going out there. You can leave the targets up in the same spot, have the same course of fire. It's not about like, you don't go to these one day, quote unquote, club level match, what it used to be, you know, and expect some, expect two day national level match carpet rolled out for you. If you do expect that, your expectations are way off. As the shooter, if you expect that as a shooter, you're ridiculous. Because I, I think if you, if a, a range owner and a match director were to do that type, have that type of format for their facility, I believe they shouldn't have to do that. I mean, that's a that's an obscene amount of work to do two day level prep for a monthly one day match. Um, as far as trophies, it was literal I don't know what quarter inch steel that were laser jet cut with the division and the place uh, your placement first, second, third in each of those divisions. And if you want to do trophies, great, cool, that that's 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 awesome. But even for me for that type of investment of a match, if you say 50, 40, 50, 60 bucks, 70 bucks, even if I placed first or second or third, I don't don't expect a gangster trophy or anything. You know, it's a cool little plaque that you can order online and then you, whatever, do whatever. Paper trophies, I give a fuck. It doesn't matter. Um, it going out there shooting, testing new calibers. Um, if you want to work this or that into your in your system and in your game, great. Great, great it's time to do that. He did say no tripods. There's no tripods. Uh, period. Unless it's you know, for your your binos or whatever, but you're going to use a rear bag and one front bag, one uh you know support bag. Uh, that's how I how I shoot anyway. I don't do really much of any tripod rear stuff. Now people are like, oh, "We're leaving points on the table." Well, you know what? That's just my style of shooting. I may be uh, but that's just how I shoot. And, and if you want to do that, I'm not going to guilt you in out of it or anything. No, do it. Uh, that's how you roll. And, and you practice that by all means, knock yourself out. I don't feel like I've been cheated. If you decide to do that. and it's legal, uh, you know, per the course of fire, if you choose to use tripod rear and I don't, because I would then have the same exact authority to use a tripod rear. I choose not to, and it's okay. Uh, but I really like that though. If it's like, hey, it's going to be no tripods, one bag for a front support, and then a rear bag if you go prone. There was no prone stages. You were not on your belly. It was one. Let's see, one, maybe two stages where you could consider modified prone. But it was a positional match. Like the whole fucking match was positional, and that was fun. That kind of stuff is what makes you a better shooter. I, I I feel like I'm a better shooter today than I was, you know, Saturday morning before I started. You know, the more you are forced to do that, the better you get at it. Um, you know, I had, uh, <laughs> I didn't have gun problems, but I, so if you heard me talk about in marking my brass, I've decided to start uh, using paint pens in the, um, case rim right so in the extractor groove of your of your case running in there well I got a little sloppy with it and I guess I had some on the actual case like like little dots not like I went like a big old stripe on the case case body I I, I wouldn't have done that but it may have been a little bit above the case rim on the case body like a, a 32nd of an inch or something like that well stuff started getting kind of heavy on a a couple of them, a little heavy on bolt lift. And I mean, I'm, I'm shooting a very low pressured cartridge or low pressured load. And I'm like, well, I know the load ain't hot unless there was something wrong with that one thing. But then I start looking, I pull my bolt out after I'm done, I look at my bolt and inside the bolt face all around, uh, my bolt lugs, there's orange paint all on it. I look in my magazine, there is... Orange paint all the way up both sides of the magazine. There is orange paint in my breech. There's orange paint all in front of, excuse me, the the ramps, the feed ramps in my action. There's there's orange paint everywhere. I'm like son of a bitch. So I'm trying to clean that crap off um, in between stages. and kind of like re lubing the bolt, and I'm like I'm just gonna have to be what's gonna be until I'm done. Uh, that's just that's something I learned. So from now on, I'm thinking I'm you know. I mean, they're going to make sure there is nothing on any of the case body at all, like not even a little accidental swipe or or dot. Or I'm just going to go back to to sharpie marker and just the whole purpose of me going to, well, NCL still does, but he does a little bit better and takes his more time, takes his time better in doing it and uh, cleaning off anything excess. Uh, is is that well? If you tumble it it will still be marked for a couple times at least, and so it's at least or less amount of times having to mark the brass, and it does stand out more. You see it better. You can kind of pick yours out of a pile of brass better, and it uh, yeah, everything on paper sounds great, but if this is something I'm going to have to deal with every time – I'm just gonna go back to Sharpie. I'm, you know, I'll, I may give it one more go and be a little more p- meticulous in making sure there was no paint anywhere uh, on anything or not. But uh, either way, um, anything else? Uh, so yeah, Huey Dewitt. Huey. Um, he was at the match. He w- he didn't shoot. He's about to have a uh, shoulder surgery. So um, Godspeed to, to Huey. But yeah, if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you're, I'm sure if you're on Instagram or Facebook, you see the the funny guy with the blonde mullet wig and Viper sunglasses and pit Viper sunglasses and riding the scooter and fun. He, it's, he's a, like, uh, he's funny, you know, he's a gunsmith, but, uh, he, he does the funny stuff. You know, we talked for a bit and it was my first time actually meeting him in person and, um, I know we've crossed paths many a times, and I, we just haven't you know, actually shook hands and met. But awesome guy. We talked for a while, and uh, he's actually going to come on the podcast. I'm pretty excited about that. We're going to nail it down. We're going to do an in-person. He's only right up the road, basically right up the road from where we were in Maysville. Um, he's in like the Swansboro area, I believe. Um, and he'll either come here or I'll go there. One or the other, we'll have some beers and, and record a podcast. And uh but it was it was an awesome time. I I'm I'm definitely going to go back for sure. Um that is not going to be my last uh Coastal Outlaw match. And it's only I believe it's only going to get get better every match. Uh I can promise you I feel confident that Lee maybe on Sunday or or maybe today or whenever weather's not shit, um he's going to be out there changing some stuff up and he will uh He's already talked about things he wants to. He wants to put maybe some markers by the targets because, like I said, when you're on a cut down and you've got targets on T-posts without berms, it's hard sometimes to find the targets, which, hey, you can say that's part of the stage, like find your targets. But, you know, you know, with, with lighting conditions, it, it can just make it a little frustrating. Um, but, you know, he had, he, he was talking about it, he had berms at one point, and I don't know what, fucking moron told him and he didn't say who it was or whatever but he was like yeah they're telling me that they don't want berms they won't i'm like who the fuck said they don't want berms like yeah you do want you i'd love to be able to see or my bullet splashes or have at least a solid backdrop even if it's far like further back than the target um and no you're not really getting getting Super accurate data as far as where your bullet went and where it landed, because you know you goes further back then you can say, "Oh, it was low, well, no, you just buzzed it off the side and it, the bullet dropped and it finally hit the berm, and it's in a lot lower um place than where the target is but uh I'll take that just so that it breaks up the the stuff around it to be able to find your target and and stuff like that and uh yeah, he was like yeah i I bulldoze them down because they said they didn't want them," and I was like <laughs> what fucking idiot you talk to? But um, I don't. N- I don't know if anybody who's ever any competitive shooter has never said no. We don't want berms, unless it's a, what one of the Marines. I'm not. This isn't a knock on Marines or anything. I'm just saying. I, it's only I can think of. Like, oh well, there's no there's no berms in you know in the AOR when you're you know, yeah, f- dude. Fuck. This is not that. This is you know supposed to be competitive. Make you a better shooter, not a better sniper. Okay, that's not what this is about. This is about being a better trigger puller, better wind caller, and be able to manage your equipment in a time time frame, in a whatever determined time frame. That's what this is supposed to be about. And having fun. Um, it's not fun not being able to find your targets, even when you know where it is. Like I was looking, I could see one example examples, of like the the rabbit. The rabbit's T post had a white top. I could see the T post no problem. So I basically, when I was having a hard time seeing the plate, it was a small plate, but it wasn't so small that it was unreasonable. No, no, no. It was just the surroundings around it, with it being that size of plate, made it tough to identify and see where the actual target was on the T-post. I could find the T-post, no problem. It was, okay, well, I'm, I think, the, I mean, like I said, you got the light in your face. It's just time of day. So maybe the people who shot that stage earlier in the day when the sun was at, you know, at maybe at noon or whatever, they, they, they shot a completely different stage, but maybe the, when I shot the long range stage, um, at the, well, the first in, I don't remember if it was a third stage or the longer range stages. Um, I shot them first thing in the morning. There was no wind at all. Well, there was a little bit, but not much. But I'm sure by the end of the day, if you ended on that, you had more wind than I did. So that's the way it works. But it's still at least you could see that plate. It was literally I'm going to aim where I think the target should be on the t post, but because I can really only see the t post, and then you see the target if you hit it. Because then, like I said, the plume of smoke from your core exploding, boof, off the plate. Now you got a you got a, a Snapshot of a second to, uh, to see the target. Well, that doesn't help when you're running the bolt and having to shoot again, really. But it's one of those things, you know. It's it's really not. And there's a lot of little things that that Lee can, I'm sure, will do. That's going to make just those little things so much better. Like it will, it'll it'll make a big difference. And I'm excited to see. I mean, talking to um, well, Justin. Um, Huey Do It, It, um, he said that he's kind of been there because it's so close to him, so, such proximity, close proximity to him. You know, he's helped Lee instead. He was shooting him at first, and then now it's got to the point where he's kind of like invested in this range where he wants to help run the matches. He is going to hold a match there in October this year. Like, it's going to be his match that he's going to put on, and I'm really excited about that match. Like, I'm definitely shooting that for sure. Um, and I'm, I'm don't know if it's gonna be a two day. It's at least gonna be a one day. I mean, it may be a two day, but it's going to be fun. And I know he's on a, he's on a, there's a jet ski out there and you shoot off the jet ski that I've, I've heard that is a bitch to shoot off of, but that's the, that's the fun stuff. Like, that's what I want to do. Um, you know maybe some unstable stuff. And if it's meant to be unstable, I like it. if it's meant to be stable and it's shit, then it's like, Hey man, this is a piece of shit. But if it's meant to be unstable, well then that's where it's going to, that's what the match director is trying to get you to do. It's trying to get you to work on getting stable in an unstable position and an unstable support. And I'm, I'm cool with that. Like I'm, I'm, I'm Gucci with that. So, uh, but like I said, you know, the the biggest takeaway from this weekend to me is there can be a lot of success and a lot of fun to be had in, in an outlaw setting. Now, am I saying I'm never shooting a two day PRS match again or even a, a PRS one day regional series match again? Fuck no, I'm not saying that. No, I will definitely shoot two days. I will definitely shoot one day regional matches. Um, that that's great too. But to me. The one day lost its place. It, it got lost in in the juice. What I mean by that is, the quote unquote one day is supposed to be where you go and you hammer stuff out. You figure out, okay, this you know, how do I like this scope? Or I'm gonna try this new caliber out. Um, I'm gonna maybe I want to see how I like shooting a gas gun, or maybe I want to you know try shooting you know 308 this time you know and I, that to me is where one days well that's where they were but i still that's where they still should be one days have become like many two days now and it, i don't just mean that it's well it's half the match because it's only one day i mean it's like the prep for it the i don't want to say pressure because I, I don't feel pressure at any match like i don't care if because i just I don't put the pressure on myself. No one else is putting pressure on me. I don't put pressure on myself. I don't care. My point is is that everyone else, the competitiveness, we're like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, you you know, you you're trying to game shit or whatever." It's like the fangs come out when they when when competitors feel like it is something very important to perform well. I get that with the two day. That's what it's supposed to be. It's a national match. You get people coming from all over for that match, right? Well, one days have kind of become that. And I don't feel that that is where they were intended to be or where they should be. I think one days should be what I shot this weekend and a, Hey, like kind of like a run with your brawn, in where you fit in and have fun, work stuff out it's a pretty challenging course of fire, you know, some were some easier stages and some were a little bit tougher and um you know, great. That's the way it should be. This is where you this is where you figure out what works best for you. And I I just like to put a call out there to match directors and in and, and range owners that if you're putting on one-day matches maybe we should maybe we should get back to that and because to me, that's way more fun. Now, what I would like is get there, start early, finish early, drink a couple beers, and go home. Like, that's the most appealing thing to me about. And then, the pre- then, then it's over with. I ain't got to go home. I ain't got to, you know, clean my shit and get ready for the next day. And then, you know, there's a place for that. And I like two-day matches, but me personally, I prefer the one day because it's literally it's an event it's for one day. I don't like doing anything more than really one day in a row. Like, I don't want to go to a soccer tournament. That's two days. I don't want to go to a jiu-jitsu tournament. That's two days. If I'm going to compete, I just want to do it, compete, and, and then be done and figure out where I stand in the one day. Like I said, this is me. The two day match, uh, national matches absolutely have their place, aren't going anywhere, shouldn't go anywhere. And there are guys who live for that shit. They live for that two day. Can you string two days? The, the better shooter is going to string two days of shooting. Um, you know, go string them together and, and it's going to show who can show up and, and, and do the damn thing. And that is completely cool. Um, and I, I will continue to do those. I'm. I'm pretty sure I'm gonna pretty sure I'm gonna shoot the hand match this year. Um, I'm not fishing the big rock no, I don't plan to and that's you know it's the same weekend or at least one weekend prior to and I'm not I'm not sh- I'm not fishing that so I'm I'm pretty sure I'm gonna shoot the hand match and then more likely I'll shoot the uh, road to Redemption match in the fall. I don't know about any other two days matches in between there. Um, but I know those two, maybe mix a guardian there somewhere. Um, but you know, one days for me are the most fun. I get the most out of them because they're well, one, they're more fun to me. And two, they are less of a investment, whether it be in energy, less because <laughs> it's like a lazy fuck. And I guess I am, but um, physical energy, mental energy Less of investment monetarily, for time, all of that. That's why one days to me for me are king. And you know, if you're a new shooter, I think going in and throwing yourself to the wolves for a you know your first match or excuse me, maybe even your second match being a, a two day national match. A lot of us have done it. A lot of us did that. A lot of us went that route. If me knowing what I know now, if I would get to go back in what twenty seventeen something like that when I started, well, that's not what I would do. I would definitely I, i'm a I'm gonna go shoot at least three one day matches, maybe four one day matches before I invest the the time and resources and the energy into a two day. And I think it'll make that first two day match feel a lot more of a success, and you'll you'll get you'll take more home uh, with you after the match. Um, and normally there's a at this the Coastal Outlaw match. Normally there is a prize table and everything. There wasn't t- this this weekend. Um, I don't, not that I care. Like I said, if whatever I'd have pulled off the prize table, I w- I was just planning on giving it away on the on the podcast. So. Um, it's nothing that I need or or want that I can't buy. so um, but that's that's where I would pick something cool that maybe someone, you know a listener could use. and uh, but there wasn't one this time. I'm not sure what because I've this is my first match shooting there. I'm not sure what justifies when there's a, a prize table when there isn't, but from what I've been told, the prize tables there, even for as little of matches as they are, smaller matches they are. They are actually pretty gangster prize tables, so that's, I mean, that's pretty cool. So you can get a guy, you know, maybe a, a, a young Marine who, who, who shoots really well. He can, you know, guys we all know, you know, enlisted folk don't make shit. So there, you saw a lot of duty guns out there. You saw a lot of budget entry-level guns out there that are being wielded by young Marines, you know, Lance Corporals and under, stuff like that. And that's what they've got. And I would love for this young Marine that's spending his own money and time competing out there with civilians. I love them doing that and like taking, the, taking upon themselves to do that. I I would love for them to walk a prize table and take home a brand new Kestrel or, whatever fuck else they need that they don't have. Like I love if that, when that happens and I, you know that that's to me, that's what it's about. Like I, I love that. And it made me feel good seeing as many active duty that were out there and not all of them were snipers, not all of them were even Marines. And, but they were all out there for one reason and one reason only. And that was to better their marksmanship abilities Ergo, making them more lethal on the battlefield. And that um, made me feel good. And um, I, I'm excited. I'm, I might just squad up. if I. There's a good chance if there's a big squad and I don't know none of them, there's a good chance they're Marines. Like, I may just shoot one of these matches and just jump into a squad with nobody that I know and just, like, shoot with a bunch of Marines. And just, if whatever I can do to help them be, I mean, I'll... I'll spend the majority of my time and energy in doing that if if they want the you know help or tips or advice on how to maybe do something um, from the guy who's been shooting matches for five or six years um i'd be i would love to do that and you know my score be damned and uh, just help them help them you know succeed better and, you know as far as the match itself but then uh, I think that does two things uh, i think it's twofold it one it makes me a better shooter but on top of that, it makes them a better competitor, which then will drive them to shoot more. So it's almost like a, a cycle where if they, they shoot better and, and they have success, that means they're going to want to do it more. When they do it more, they're not going to have a choice but like, to get better. The more you do something, the better you get. And I, I think that's really cool. And I'd love to be a part of that. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to get. That the, overall, the match is awesome, and um, you know, for, for what it cost, and you know, as as young of a range and a facility as it is, it, it only goes up from here. And if right now is, is the bottom, then I can't wait to see what the top is because yeah, it was still a fun match. No matter anything that was a little thing here or there, it was maybe hit or miss. Completely worth it because it was fun. And, and that's, you know, I came home, you know, feeling like I I had a good day. It was a time well spent in shooting that match. So, um, anyway, trying to think, is there anything else I'm looking around? Oh, so, uh, back to the barrel cleaning stuff I have. So what I did was I know for a fact, I didn't even scope it. I know for a fact, there is probably some orange, well, was probably some orange paint in my chamber of my rifle. So right in front of me, what I did was I came home, I didn't, Saturday night, I didn't touch shit, I didn't take it out of my truck, I literally walked inside, got undressed, took a shower, and started eating, and then went to bed. Um, Sunday, yesterday, I, I said, okay, let me get all my shit out and get everything squared away. First thing I did, screw the barrel off, with the AI, pulled the bolt out, cleaned the bolt really good with, you know, um. A little bit of acetone, a little bit of brake cleaner. Got all the orange paint off of it. Got some brake cleaner sprayed it inside of the magwell, inside of the breech, inside of everywhere. Get everywhere I could. Put some brushes in there. Get all of the grime, all of the lube, all of the orange paint out. And then, then I even look at my barrel. I just literally put it, put the uh, the muzzle jimmy on the Patriot Valley muzzle jimmy. Put it on filled her up with some, uh, Bortec eliminator and she still sits here. And when I know, when I patch it out either tonight or tomorrow, whenever I patch it out, it's going to, the first patch is going to be black as the ace of spades and probably, man, has has orange on, it. I don't know, but, uh, it will, um, it's gonna be a mirror finish and I'm going to scope it just to verify, but I, can, I already know what it's going to look like. And it just makes barrel cleaning so much easier. And I, I'm excited about using this mold Jimmy. This will be my second time using it. And it, you, you, if you listen to this podcast at all, hell, if you've listened to this episode, you know that I like doing as little as possible for everything. Um, so if this means I don't have to patch and scrub and patch, look down the bore, patch and scrub, patch and scrub, look down the bore. If I don't have to do that shit, you know, letting it, uh, letting it sit, you know, wet patch it, scrub it, wet patch it again, let it sit, and then rinse and repeat. If I don't have to do all that, that's what I'm about. I'm going to take the fucker off. I'm going to fill it up with shit. And then whenever I get to it, I'll push some patches through it, and then she's done. i clean the chamber out with some acetone and a 410 shotgun gauge or 14 410 gauge shotgun uh, mop. Clean the uh, Clean the chamber out. And it's going to be good to go, ready to shoot again. You know, I was, I, I mentioned in the last episode, I, I was thinking about like retiring this dasher barrel. I mean, it's got like 1,500 rounds on it now, 1,600 rounds. And it just fucking, it just still sh- it's just got life left and it shoots good. And I just, I don't think I'm ready to hang it up yet. I don't know. And then again, I might end up uh, sending my Osprey dasher barrel to get, get cut down a little bit and maybe cut it back down to 26 or maybe even go like 25 and just go shorter and just run the bullet slower. I'm telling you 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 run the bullet slow, you see everything. If I hit if if I could literally see the target, I saw where the bullet went. If the sun wasn't in my face, I just couldn't see anything or in the couple of times that my target was obscured by shit. If it will not that, I saw every fucking bullet. And it's because it's to me, I can tell the difference of when it's running slow. And if you're cooking that bullet at, you know, three grand, it is, you don't have as much time. And that was in milliseconds. It is milliseconds. You would, it's, it feels like minutes. <laughs> I mean, it, it would, the difference in a bullet going 2850 and one going 2950 to, to 3000 i me personally take it for what you pay for it to me it just feels like I have a lot more time to see the target and um, I'm really liking it so I may run it slow I've got 105s to shoot I've got 109s to shoot and I've got 103 vapor trails I got a fuckload of those I'm gonna uh, load up and shoot I haven't I haven't even cracked the first box open I have not done any load development on those at all that's going to be fun. That's really going to, what's going to be primarily going down the the Osprey barrel after I blow these 105s out, uh maybe shoot some of the 109s too. I've got a load for the uh, 109s. I've I've already got a load for that. Um so I can I can do that if I want to. Um uh, but you know, I maybe shoot the 25 some more or even shoot the 220 maybe I really think I'm going to take the 223 bolt in barrel out there with the AI and shoot that factory norma ammo i don't feel like loading for it now but because um, i have not, i've never i've got 223 dies brass everything for it to load up bullets everything and i, I don't want to do it <laughs> like I, I want to shoot factory shit so i've got a whole bunch of that stuff and i may um i've got no data on it i've shot it to 500 um and i not even chronoed it with a suppressor. I didn't even chrono. I just literally just shot it out to, to five or excuse me four or 50 and that's all I've got. I've not shot it past that. I'm going to obviously need to go shoot it at at distances and and at, at a thousand to kind of get some data on it and um, and then you know see where it's at and then go compete with it. But I've got everything ready to rock and roll with that. so maybe my next batch my next batch there maybe I'll shoot the 223 bolt division um you know if you were shooting two twenty three gas man there's only a couple of guys there if you had a really good shooting two twenty three gas gun you you know you could have mopped up and um that's pretty appealing I don't have a two twenty three precision gas gun um i don't know they ever will i mean jeff's got one and that shoots i mean fucking dimes that 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 gun he's got is it's a pretty amazing gas gun um maybe I'll borrow that and I think he's got like a what does he got on? I think he's got an attacker four to sixteen or something like that. That's plenty. I'll just run on sixteen power all day and and have at it. And that might be something I do. I and mean, maybe something he does. I don't know. But uh two twenty three gas would have been a really cool division to shoot this past weekend because, you know, if you're a competent shooter, you're you're going home with a trophy. So, um, Anyway, it was a fun match. I Chalked it up as a success of a good weekend, and uh, I shot well in the in the stages that it was literally all on my management of my gun, my wind calls, and then getting stable and seeing my impacts. It was a success. I did fairly well, and um, I'm excited to do more. I'm trying to think of anything else. Uh, I. Dan, um, from Two Vets, he uh, he texted me the other day, and he texted me again today. He wants to do a podcast, talk about some stuff that he had. I literally know next to nothing of what came out of Shot Show this year. I haven't paid attention. I haven't really cared. Um, but he has some stuff that he's excited about, and and we're gonna ha- we're gonna talk about in the podcast, and um, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get that knocked out and so i got a bunch of stuff guys lined up to to do a podcast that i'm really excited about and uh, was just yeah we just got to hammer out the times so here you go guys you have another almost an hour long podcast within eight days of the last one so you are welcome and um i enjoyed it so uh until next time guys make sure hey y'all are still y'all let me down Y'all let me down in the comments. I had one email and uh, one comment, I believe, and one private message, I think, on Instagram. or I don't remember if it was uh, Snipers Hide or Instagram, but uh, you yeah, know, with suggestions or whatever. And just, uh, hey, you got to talk to me. If you want to hear something, I can't read your mind, and you need to let me know. And until then... You guys have a good one.